The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about identity theft, and you know that that's been something close to my heart as my books on identity theft. But I found this book called Identity Theft Prevention for the College Student. And they are very much at risk of identity theft. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest today who wrote Identity Theft Prevention for the College Student, Bob Beyer. Bob is a certified handwriting expert and a certified forensic document examiner, having graduated from Handwriting University School of Forensic Document Examining. He has uh, three different degrees, and he is a certified New York State law enforcement instructor and trains law enforcement in seven different areas, which include document examining, identity theft, statement analysis, handwriting analysis, bogus checks, the criminal mind, and handwriting. Um, He also trains law enforcement in other states as well, and he's been on several television shows including Inside Edition, Law Talk TV, and he's also been taped in Toronto, Canada for a soon-to-be-aired special in the U.S. on the Smithsonian Channel. And in September 2005, he was featured in ESPN Magazine for an analysis he did regarding an extreme uh, sport athlete as well as Orange Magazine in New York. He is the author, as I said, of Identity Theft Prevention for the College Student, and he uses this book to train law enforcement. So we're really thrilled to have you with us, Bob. Thanks for joining us from New York. Thanks, Mari, for having me. These people really need this information. Oh, I know, really. But let's talk a little bit about why did you choose to do this book on the college student? Well, I had been doing research, and and first of all, the reason I started it all is because people were coming to me with their handwriting, had uh, signatures had been forged by people who were stealing their identities. And so that's triggered the whole thing. And then when I started doing research, I found that uh, college students were in the highest risk group of all people nationwide. I had a couple of children that were going to be going to college in a couple of years. So the whole thing, I started really doing a lot more research. And, and when I found out that the students really needed this information. Yeah. So what are some of the things that students do that really are rather, you know, uh, careless or might expose them to identity theft? You know, we are sitting here on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, and all these students do Facebook and 
various um, e-harmony and other things. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that they do that are dangerous. I think the worst thing that the college students do, or any student, anybody from like age 18 to like off 48, they're downloading free music, free games, anything off the Internet. And in order to do that, they have to have what's called a P2P program, peer-to-peer. And if they have that program installed on their computer, just a couple of examples are LimeWire, BearShare, SoulSeek. There's about 13 of them. And if it's installed on their computer, anytime that they are on the Internet, anybody the entire world has total access to every single thing on their computer, every document, every folder, every password, every email, absolutely everything. Uh, the only exception is iTunes. iTunes is okay if they're downloading music from that. So what students must do is get that program off their computer or off their parents' computer. Right, right. And what do you think about the social networking? Social networking is very bad. There are identity thieves that are purposely going onto these sites, collecting as much information about individuals as they can. Uh, there's already been Twitter, uh, Facebook, all of those. There's, there's basically predators, identity thief predators that are on there. Yeah, yeah. So so what about um, PayPal? You know, students, a lot of students don't have credit cards, and they'll, they'll often pay with PayPal. Why don't we talk about some of the dangers with PayPal and maybe these fake PayPals? Yeah, I think one of, probably one of the biggest with PayPal, and they have gotten better, is the idea that there could be phishing, what's known as phishing, where the student would get an email supposedly from PayPal, which it isn't, and it looks identical. And then the uh, email would state, you know, we think that maybe your identity's been stolen or, uh, you know, it actually uses the terminology of what they're trying to do. And then it says, uh, please click here to... Uh, Make sure that this isn't true. And then when you click on it, it'll, it'll ask for a lot of your important information. One way you can tell if the site is legitimate is if you look at the browser, number one, it has to have, instead of HTTP, it must be HTTPS to make sure it's secure. Number two, if it's a PayPal, there should not be anything after www.paypal.com. In the browser, a lot of times there'd be a forward slash and a bunch of other information, which means it's not genuine. Also in the bottom right, there should be a little yellow lock, and it should be in the locked position. That demonstrates that it is a secure website. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about, so we've talked about peer-to-peer, and uh, how about passwords? I mean, some of these kids, especially, I mean, I have... Most of my passwords are, are 12 to 14 letters and numbers mixed up. Let's talk a little bit about passwords, what people should do to protect themselves with passwords. Yeah, actually, it's pretty funny. I have spoken with college kids, and a lot of times their password is either the school mascot or it's actually the word password. It's just, you know, something so simple and ridiculous that anybody could hack it if they're uh, professionals at doing that. I, I highly recommend, and 12 is magnificent, uh, I commend you, but it has to be a minimum of eight, and it has to be uppercase, lowercase numbers, and hopefully symbols. Now, some of the things that I hear is that I will never remember my password if I have it that intricate or, or you know, 
And it's really not true. All you have to do is become uh, creative a little bit. Now, here's one for you, just as an example. The capital letter I, capital letter W, number two, the dash, one zero, small letter L, small letter B. And what it stands for is I want to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do, too. Let's change it. <laughs> the number 10 would be slightly higher. But, uh, you know, that would be easy to remember. And you've got the symbols. You've got the numbers. You've got the caps. And you've got the lowercase. And you got everything. And it's a pretty good number. Now, people would say, well, how am I going to remember that? Well, all you've got to do is look straight down at your gut or look around behind you in the mirror, and you'd probably have a pretty good starting point as to how many pounds, if you forget. Right, right. So what about, you know, should you use the same password for your bank and your credit cards and and LinkedIn and Facebook? What do you think about that? And I'm not sure of your actual questions. I heard you Okay, said- well, what I'm saying is I'm concerned for people using the same password that they use oh, for, oh, yeah, for okay. banks yeah, or, okay. yeah. You got to change them. And, uh, yeah, if you use the same one, once they hack in and they get it, then they got access to everything you own. So, uh, you know, what, what would it be? I think if you type it up on a sheet, which is what I do, and then I have all of them done. I have it alphabetical, so uh, my Amazon.com is one password, then the next thing, and then the next thing. But don't leave it on your computer. Put it on a thumb drive. Never leave all of your passwords typed on there. Create it on a, you know, immediately create and save it to a, th- uh, a thumb drive or a disk or something like that and keep and, it and off then, of your computer. Yeah, and encrypt it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, encrypt it. And then you got to remember only really that one password. Of the, you got to remember the password to unencrypt that, that thing because I, I have it as well. But it is, it's a crazy time. And, and uh, you know, some people say, oh, well, if we could only use a fingerprint or a voice print or, you know, an iris scan. But right now, we're, we're really not there with biometrics yet. But no. what do you think about that? Uh, I think in the future, you're going to see more and more and more and safer. And I think it's coming slowly. Technology will help us. But right now, you have to help yourself. You can't, you can't rely on anybody else. Your, st- your, your government can't help you. Your state can't help you. Your local law enforcement can't help you. You're the only one that can help yourself, and you need to do stuff. And the sad thing for law enforcement, and I'm a sheriff reserve here in Orange County, California, and I've been you know, on the high-tech crime unit because I'm also an identity theft expert. But um, what it's really, you can't blame law enforcement and they surely can't protect you they come in afterward and they're just so overloaded with all of the identity thieves out there that you know you don't you can't really count on them to catch them unless it's maybe a large ring that they can devote a lot of resources to is that what you find out in new york as well absolutely and uh, they're they're after the bigger crimes at this point and they can't they don't have the resources and they don't have the funds and uh, they don't have the technical people to uh, go online and, and to be looking at your email. Where did it go? How did, you know, all of that stuff. And don't get me wrong, they're working hard at this, and they've made sure. major strides, the law enforcement. And you do see more and more arrests, especially with rings. Yep. Uh, I'm in touch with Identity Theft Alert uh, from Google Daily, and they really have made strides. But they got, there's so far to go, and, and the identity thieves have millions and millions of dollars, hire the, hire the finest people in the 
to do all of this stuff. Yes. It's very difficult. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about radio frequency identifiers and the RFID chip in your credit card. Tell us about that. Yeah, when you look at your card, you can tell that there are about there are four uh, half circle rings that almost look like backward C's. That seems to be the most common symbol. It would be either on the front or on the back, and that signifies that you your credit card has one of those RFID chips. And that RFID chip is broadcasting information. And my understanding is that businesses love it because if I go into a particular store and I go to the right and I spend five minutes at the perfume counter, which I wouldn't, but, you know, the average shopper, and then all of a sudden the store can actually track you where you went. So all of a sudden in the mail, you're going to, next week you're going to get a flyer on perfume being on sale. So they like it, uh, but it just makes it more convenient. But it started out that the criminal, anybody walking in a mall or anywhere, if they walk past you within three feet, they can actually download everything from that credit card. And now I understand it's up to 15 feet, just walking past you, and it downloads all of that information from your credit card onto their uh, device, and it's simple to make, from what I understand, on the device itself. So why would why would they do that? You know, I, I mean, I see these um, security sleeves that you can buy online that that will supposedly protect your your credit card um, if it does have an RFID in it. But what happens when you take it out and a person behind you is is a thief and they've got an RFID reader? So you know, I mean. What the heck is going on? Can can we opt out of, of having an RFID on our credit card? Do you know? Yeah, you can call your credit card company and said you and, and literally just tell them, look, I, I want one without an RFID chip, and if they're not willing to do that, just go to another card company that, that would furnish that for you. But I also have the, uh, the ones that have the metal, and it's a little sleeve. And once I take it out, I don't leave it out. I immediately put it back in the sleeve, you know, once it's uh, once I swipe or uh, once the other person swipes. Right. And I, I put it right back in. So I would think it's uh, pretty secure. Right, right. So what? let's talk about, um, like in Chapter 6 of your book, Identity Theft Prevention for the College Student, you have um, Chapter 6, which talks about botnets, malware and crimeware. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, let's go first, botnets. What are botnets and what should people do? Well, I think overall, if you just look at whether it's botnet and, and all of those things combined, if you just look at them all as malware, and they're all trying to get this material downloaded onto your computer, and when they do that, then they have all kinds of devices and things to collect information. And that's really what they're trying to do. You can never, ever download anything free off of the Internet because you might be downloading uh, malware right onto your computer. Yeah, yeah. So Now, botnets basically are networks that are made up of thousands of compromised computers used for criminal purposes. Uh, they're responsible basically for millions of dollars in theft from consumers. Uh, if to give you one idea, if uh, Ithaca College 
and I don't want to pick on them. Every college and university in the country has problems with, with some of this stuff. Sure. But when they accessed and gained access to somebody's email, they then started uh, sending out thousands and thousands of emails across the country, and it was all on phishing emails, and it all came from this one student's spot. So, you know, there's so many aspects of this that are just brutal for the person. Well, you know, there have been a lot of security breaches at universities. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, you know, your book is, you know, Identity Theft Prevention for the College Student. Much of this is beyond the control of the college student if the university who collects all of the sensitive data about a college student, especially if they're applying for loans, what if they have a security breach? What about that? With you know how 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 do you do how do you deal with that if this is beyond your control and there's been a big security breach of social security numbers and everything at the university? Yeah, I think you really do have to have one of those companies that deal with your protection, your identity theft protection. I would not recommend one over the other, but I would research them wisely. And they're all about the same amount of money, but no matter how vigilant you are in all of the steps you take to, you know, to protect yourself, which is an excellent thing, if your bank, if your college, you know, if they have a breach, then your identity's gone. Uh, you know, so you have to have something to be able to back up on. And if you have one of those identity theft protection programs in, in place, they will at least let you know sooner than later that your identity has been stolen. Yeah, that's true if it's, for example, if they're monitoring your credit reports because they'll see if there's credit fraud. But as you know, there's many different types of identity theft that won't even appear in your credit report. Like if somebody gets a government benefit in your name, you know, if they're getting Medicare or Medicaid or they're getting uh, workers' compensation or if they've gotten a driver's license in your name, or if they've gotten social security in your name, or something like that, that's going to be something that never appears on your credit report. Same thing with medical identity theft. It's not going to appear in your credit report unless these people have not um, paid their bills, and then it'll eventually appear as a collection. So some of those companies are not really going to be the cure-all, right? That is true. Absolutely true. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, students and medical identity theft. Tell us about that. Well, to me, medical is just, it's probably one of the scariest aspects of it because if somebody gets, well, first of all, anybody knows that uh, medical procedures of any kind are extremely expensive. So people will steal someone's ability, uh, identity so that they can go get the minor surgery. They can go, you know, and it's not going to cost them anything. It's They're going to be using Johnny Smith's name and, and information. Well, first of all, they're going to max out your the amount that you're allowed per year, and then you need to go and get some medical pension, and I'm sorry, you're maxed out. What are you talking about? I haven't even been to the doctor this year. Well, then you got a problem. But the scariest aspect of it for me is that they're going to have surgeries listed or blood types listed, or any other types of things, medications you're allergic to or not allergic to, 
and it's not going to be for you. It's going to be for the other person. That's very dangerous. Yeah, especially if you're in an accident and you're in a coma. And now with all the electronic medical records, if somebody gets a hold of an electronic medical record that, that has your social or your name or your health insurance, you're right. You get a blood, tra- a blood transfusion with the wrong blood, you could be de- dead yes. right away. So, yeah, it's... it's uh, so. What what do you do about that? How do you protect yourself from that? Well, I think that's the doctor's offices. Uh, again, if they get a breach, I don't really know of anything they can do to do that. I think you have to stay in touch with your doctor, and I think you have to stay in touch with your medical records and check with them on that. Is there anything unusual about my records? And, and make a phone call every six months that, that could possibly help you. Uh, but like you just say, uh, there, there's a lot of times you're not even going to know. Exactly. So there's, uh, you know, now that we have these electronic medical records and all the doctor's offices and hospitals have to have them, it's a good idea to ask for a copy of your medical records. I just did that recently. I had to go and have a little mole removed from my uh, from my dermatologist, and I got a copy of my entire medical record because now they're doing everything on little iPads, which again is scary because they're inputting all this data into an iPad in the room that you're sitting in, you know, <laughs> and it's and it's all um, you know electronic and it's wireless and it's easy to hack into a doctor's office. That isn't their specialty is protecting your identity their specialty is helping you if you're ill or if you have a problem so it's it is a big challenge so tell me a little bit about your handwriting analysis what do you do with regard to identity theft and handwriting analysis well i I can uh, train law enforcement in the idea of being able to determine is it the actual person's signature is it not that all adult writers have handwriting habits that are unique to themselves. It's almost like a fingerprint of the mind since handwriting is brain writing. So we go in and study, you know, we want to have a bunch of known writings first, 25 known authentic provable signatures to compare to the one question. And then we go in and study the writing habits of the writer. There could be 30, 40 different habits. Then we go back and look at the question signature. Does it have those same habits? If not, why not? And then we teach them to look at the range of natural variation, where it's not possible to sign your name exactly the same twice during your entire lifetime. So we have to look at the smallest, the shortest, the widest of every letter. And uh, believe it or not, you know, even in one day, there's about 35 different tips that they can acquire uh, in training, and they have that for the rest of their life. Huh. We can determine lies in, in handwriting through uh, graphoanalysis, which is a little different than the document examination. And if they have a written statement, they can, you can tell you know, if they lied, if they didn't, what sentence they lied on, what word they lied on, back them up. Uh, a, statement, a written statement would be if you have a suspect, uh, they will ask them, okay, on the day of the crime, tell me everything you did from the time you got up to the time you went to bed, and write it all down, be very detailed. So then you go through, and there really are ways to be able to tell. And we can help law enforcement quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I know many years ago when I was a victim of identity theft myself, I ended up you know, going to California legislature and passing bills and testifying in Congress. And uh, the woman who stole my identity had a beautiful handwriting. <laughs> so that was real clear. It was nothing like mine. I could have been a doctor instead of a lawyer. 
but um, I it was real, real clear. And, and so when I was dealing with the various companies that had issued money to her and, you know, the, uh, she was pretending to be an attorney, um, it was very clear that my writing was so very different from hers. She didn't even, you know, she didn't ever see my writing, I think, because she was four hours north of my home and my office. But um, so she didn't really try to copy it. So that was and, and that's probably pretty common with identity thieves because they never meet you. They don't know you. They just get your your information. So they probably are not even going to try and uh, falsify your signature. So yeah, it's probably going to be easier. Of it. I've, I've seen it both ways. Unless they know you, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's a lot of that, too, where relatives are stealing it. You know, there's a lot of that going on as well. Yeah, and roommates. Yeah. That's, that's another that's thing we should talk policy. about. Yeah. Um, I've had many... Uh, students who called me that were victims of identity theft. And I had one lady, an, an attorney friend of mine, who after graduating law school, 10 years after she graduated law school, she became a victim of identity theft. And she found out that the person stole her identity was her roommate as an undergraduate. And and so she had, uh, she that's how she found out who it was. It finally came back to her. So if you're sitting on this campus and you're thinking about you love your roommate, keep your sensitive data in a safe place. Wouldn't you say that, Bob? You have to. You have to. You can't be naive and think, oh, this person's a good person. You can't. You just have to protect yourself. Yeah, and what about their computers? You know, they, they're in their dorm room and they have their computer up open and then somebody says, oh, come on and have some pizza with us next door. What do you tell them? Well, you got to lock it up. You, you have to have some type of a uh, safe thing. You can't be carrying it with you every time. You have to have your password encrypted. Or you have to make it so that nobody, that you close it out every time and that nobody could access it. Right. So if you have maybe three things that you would like to tell the college students sitting on our campus, what they can do to protect themselves from identity theft, could you do that? Because then we'll, we're just about done. Okay, I would say, first of all, you have to take action. You have to do something daily. And that was, I had a 30-day program in my book. Today, do this. Tomorrow, do that. I would also say uh, change your password. You must, 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 and take P2P programs off of the computer now. Do it immediately. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bob, and we uh, want you to just give your website and the name of your book. Okay, name of the book is Identity Theft, Prevention for the College Student. Website, www.bobbyerinfo.com. Okay. So it's info, excuse me, it's bobbyerinfo.com. Thank you so much, Bob. You have a great day. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, um, host of Privacy piracy join us every monday morning at 8 a.m right here on kuci and visit our website at kuci.org slash privacy piracy where you can see our upcoming guests and download podcasts and write us emails about what worrying you about privacy in the information age thanks stay private the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of kuci its management or the uc board of regents Hi, 
I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict, which airs every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine, and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips, and we are welcoming back Quinn Vong, who's been a Deputy Sheriff with the Orange County Sheriff's Department for 13 years, and for the past four years, he was assigned as a school resource officer in the city of Mission Viejo. Thank you for joining us again, Quinn. Thank you, Mari. Great. So last time we talked about how technology and social media has made it really tough and lots of kids have problems with cyberbullying and other issues. So how can parents and law enforcement really help protect these kids? Well, you know, many parents often believe that the role of law enforcement is to monitor social media websites and to prosecute those who are abusive on these websites. Uh, What parents fail to understand is that we as law enforcement are not the decency police. And that is going to be the, the role of the parents and the teenager. You know, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to, to the Internet, and we have to discern whether or not this, there is a First Amendment right that falls into place or if, if there's actually a crime like a criminal threat or even possibly a defamation of character. The best thing a parent can do to protect their child online is to actively supervise them. You know, a, a parent cannot just you know, install a monitoring software and expect that to keep their child safe. You know, teens these days, they're very smart, and they know how to circumvent a lot of the security settings that we place on their computers. You know, the best thing a parent could do is to have an open dialogue with their child and to educate them, not scare them, but educate, and talk to them about the realities of the Internet and what's out there like online predators and being a subject of cyberbullying. Yes, and especially to tell those kids not to cyberbully somebody else. You know, it's it's hard for the kids who are um, being cyberbullied, but uh, the parents really need to stop their own kids if they're doing it too, right? You're absolutely correct. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back again. Thank you, Quinn. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work. Bye-bye. Bye.